Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I came across um, One Year No Beer and I loved it because it was the first time it was a positive message around not drinking you know as a lifestyle choice that was legitimate that didn't mean that your life had fallen apart Welcome to Series 2 of the One Year No Beer Podcast. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, then hit that button so you don't miss another episode. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the One Year No Beer Podcast. Today, I am joined by uh, by a very special lady, uh, Sam White, who is known as a business mogul. <laughs> I have to I have to find out what this word mogul means. So do I, mate. <laughs> so do business, I. Business mogul. Are you around like eating businesses? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, set up your first business at twenty four. And um, been very successful in business in the in the uh, insurance industry. And the reason why we've brought you on today, apart from you being an amazing human being and putting out amazing things in the world, so uh, you know your 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 LinkedIn and everything you talk about and what you represent is amazing things. But you've also changed your relationship with alcohol, and I think you did it with one year no beer. I did indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. So, um, Sam, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I love this. This is a great way to start the day. Can can you come around to my house and, <laughs> and fill me with all of this positivity first thing in the Every morning? Day. Yeah, I yeah, that would be great. I could do it via WhatsApp. If like, <laughs> yeah, that would be like, amazing. Sam, you're amazing. <laughs> right. I keep asking the wife to do it, but for some reason she's not so keen. That reminds me about um, something I, I, I say a lot is your greatest piece of real estate in your house is your mirror. <laughs> right, because you're there every single day, and you brush your teeth every single day, right? Yes. So you're this is the spot you've you've got a few minutes to stare at. Like that is where you put the vision. That is where you put the the notification, the vision board. That is where you put the mantras and the things like that. So maybe I can send you a little picture of me with like you're amazing. <laughs> And again, I think the wife may take it down, <laughs> yeah. but I will give it a good game. Fantastic. Um, so tell us a bit of background, Sam, um, to your, uh, yeah, a bit of background into your, your history. Tell us about sure. Sam. I mean, that's that's a long one. I'm pretty old. so um, <laughs> You don't look old. <laughs> well, that's the lack of drinking, clearly. Um, no, I um, so grew up in the north of England uh, in a place called Cheadle in Stockport. Yep. Um, child of a dysfunctional alcoholic which you would think would make me go running for the hills and not go anywhere near alcohol but it's a strange relationship that we have in our society mm. and you know I've reflected on it quite a few times because I, I look at it if alcohol was a person so it's a person that had kind of stolen your childhood and killed your mum you, you you never would invite that person never, around your house. Ever. You'd be like, they are not coming to yeah, dinner. Yeah, who, made, who abused you <laughs> every weekend, yeah, right? Made yeah. you feel horrific, yeah. constantly yeah. depressing you and making you tired and sleepless. Absolutely. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, do you want to come around again? Yeah, 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 <laughs> come around. I know that we had a bit of a shit time last weekend, but why don't you Let's come try again? again? Let's go again. Let's go again. I love the way you've put that. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, um, grew up in that situation. Um, my mum actually uh, overdosed when I was 23. Mm. And um, that was, you know, as might be expected, was a, a, a difficult period of time. Um, I also kind of exhibited uh, a number of um, characteristics, which I now know is quite common from children of alcoholics. So at 24, I was five stone overweight. I smoked 50 
bags a day. Um, I ate nothing but junk food. I had never seen the inside of a gym. And I also drank, not to a dysfunctional level, but I would, you know, go out the weekends and get pretty much the same as most 20 year olds, I guess. In Yorkshire. What, what would be considered to be normal drinking, but actually, if you look at the medical guidelines, it would be uh, absolutely horrific. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I, I actually, on, on one of my nights out, um, I ended up bringing some mates back to the house, a couple of. Um, lads that I was friends with, we decided that a water fight would be um, really um, a great idea. And I ended up breaking my leg, dislocating my ankle and breaking my leg. So within a very short space of time, I broke my leg, um, split up with my boyfriend at the time because I realised whilst nursing the broken leg that the relationship wasn't really working. Um, And then my mum died. And all of those things kind of in one lump Mm. really made me reflect on what I wanted out of life, whether I was on the right path, you know, what I should be doing. And I ended up setting up my first company when I was 24 from my sister's conservatory. Cool. Trying to get that jump there (laughs) from these these things. And then, you know, I'm going to go and so you channeled the energy or you 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 realized because there's you know we've had a, a part discussion here about mental health um which we're going to get onto um and sort of thinking differently is this yes. mind you were thinking differently back I, then I was but not really with any order or process mm-hmm. so I, I'm sort of and I think it is the entrepreneurial mindset and you know we spoke before we started about the fact that I was dyslexic as a kid and that kind of has certain characteristics to it um I think I've always been reflective and I think that's probably my strongest characteristic so whenever I've done stuff I haven't been oblivious to it and I've not been um, somebody who justified my own behavior Mm -hmm. so when I was really fat I knew it was my fault Mm. I knew it was because I ate too much I never said oh I've got really slow metabolism in fact I had my metabolism tested just to be sure and it definitely wasn't slow it was all of the McDonald's that I was eating and the lack of exercise that I was (laughs) doing Um, so I've always kind of owned that um but it's it's been a little bit of a windy road and i think this is true of most people so now at the grand old age of 47 i can look back and i can make sense of some of the things that i did and where that put me but the the best way i like to visualize it now is that your brain is the house that you live in And your current sort of neural pathways that you have and all the habits that you have that form those neural pathways is your current home. I think what I was doing for a number of years was building my dream home alongside that current home. Mm -hmm. And that may sound like a a strange thing, but bear with me. Um, Things like exercise took me a few years to really lock in. And it's one of the things that I say to people when I'm talking to them and they're finding things hard right now or they think that it will never happen just because they had a period of abstinence or a period of being healthy and then they fell off. I don't look at it that way. I look at it that I was building foundations in my new house. So the first time I ever um, did any exercise of any sort whatsoever, I, um, I'd set up the company. It was going pretty well. I'd been going two or three years and I'd built up a decent enough revenue and a small team of around 10 people. And I was still struggling with my weight and I also was struggling with panic attacks at the time. So I decided to go traveling around the world. Um, I took a year off, stayed in touch with the team. I was just like, I'm off. Nice. Um, and I went and, you know, did Thailand and, and Fiji and Australia and South America and all these places. But I made it my mission during that year to tackle my weight and to tackle some of my um, health issues. And I consider that to be, you know, almost like the first wall built mm. now when i got first ba- rung of the ladder the first rung yeah, of the ladder and i lost yeah. a load of weight while i was traveling um came back and after that i'd i'd fall off a bit and my weight would go up a bit 
but I, I, I maintained a, a, a reasonably regular exercise routine, which which stayed with me. Yeah, so, so the habit was locked the in. The habit was mm. locked in. And, you know, I, I've, I've seen this when I look back over my life and go, okay, at this point, and some are, are definite. So when I gave up smoking when I was 30, that was a... Literally overnight, I had been smoking 50 cigarettes a day. I smoked from 20 to 30. And then oh, like a couple of weeks after my 30th birthday, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And I just stopped. Mm. And that was actually really easy in comparison to a lot of other things because um, there is literally zero positive impact from smoking that you can give to your brain in any way shape or form if you properly step back from it and before that point i was almost smoking out of belligerence it was like it was i'm gonna hold on to this i'm holding on to this bad habit because nobody wants me to do it so i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i'm gonna carry on smoking i think a few people will resonate with that (laughs) yeah and also you know i i justified well i like it enjoy it but i didn't and, and as soon as I gave it up, I felt much better. And so it was dead easy not to go back. Mm. And of course, nobody really pressurizes you to start smoking again. Um, whereas when with, with, with alcohol, um, I've loads of times over the years, I'd have like a break for three months or like I'd, I, I kind of played around with my alcohol consumption quite a lot. Yeah. What was harder with that as a habit to break was the massive amount of societal pressure mm. on the other side and also how much it was woven into both my, my social interactions but also my work interactions. And that really took more planning. Mm. So I kind of go, more building was needed um, and, you know, maybe more architects to come in and, you know... <laughs> More yep. consultation on that wing of the house from 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 a brain viewpoint. Yeah, I like that. Um, uh, and I guess bringing in the architects, bringing in a bit of expertise helps you do it. So, in and then what happens? Do you slowly migrate over into the new house? So or do I you suddenly yeah. move all in one day. No, so I've got I, all my habits nailed. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think what happens is you live there for a few weeks and then you move back into the old house. I like bit. that. And you, this goes on. Yeah. And and what I'm feeling right now, for the first time in my life, is that maybe I'm going to take permanent residence in the in the new home. And it feels <laughs> time to move in. A time to move in. It feels amazing mm. in a way that I haven't had before. Yeah. And and I think you know that's I've I, we we talked briefly before challenges in business. Mm. You know, I've I've a couple of times I've nearly lost the companies. Um, you know. Uh, the businesses have got now um, both in the UK and Australia, you know, 250 staff and and turnover 20 odd million. And, you know, they're, they're doing great. But over that full 23 years, I have nearly lost all of the businesses twice. And, you know, you have those moments where you're like, Oh, Jesus. Like, we're, 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 like, when you talk to a founder and you say those words, they understand the depth of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I nearly lost the business. I don't think many people grasp what that actually feels like. Because if I, if I, if I play that back to you, my own experience of nearly losing the business is that both my wife and I's salary come from there. Yep. Um, you know, the, 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 the place we live, the school the kids go to, the, like all of our choices, everything about our life is about to die. Yes. It's not just, oh, well, this business will go down. It's like, oh, no, I've put eight years into yeah. this. I've put all of our savings into it. I went all in on this, <laughs> yeah. and it's just about to go. Yeah. That is fucked for your mental health. Oh, Sorry. It's, it is brutalizing. And the first time it happened, I'd come off a really big high. So, you know, the business started in 1999, and by 2010... It was turning over 18 million. I was making sort of three, four million profit. And 
I decided I was going to go and live in Beverly Hills, which is a whole different story. <laughs> had Robbie Williams sing at my wedding and oh, just, wow. like, had this like mad adventure. So I had a lot of swagger on at that point. Mm. I was like, I've got this nailed. I thought I was moving into the house. Actually, I didn't think I was moving into the house because right. I hadn't tackled the stuff that was mm. my stuff. Yep. So to, to be fair, I was, I was aware I had a way to go. But I, I definitely had a bit of a swagger on. And then... Um, all hell broke loose. There was a, a load of changes in the market that I was in at the time, which wasn't specifically insurance. It was handling claims on behalf of insurance companies. Um, and we lost 60% of our revenue in a four-week period. And, you know, I have wow. to... I, I didn't have any backing because I'd never had any funded uh, funding. I'd just grown it organically. Amazing. So there was nobody else. That, it was all bootstrapped. But, of course, the negativity of that is you can burn through your cash yeah. in a very short space of time. And I hadn't exactly been frugal living in Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> so Travelling uh, a lot. Travelling a lot. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And doing all of that. you got your own going Concord. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I, it, it was... It was a real kind of kick in the teeth. And to your point, at that point, my entire family, not just my family, mm. like me, my wife, my kids, but my extended family, my dad, my sister, all of her kids, like, and the people that worked in the business, like I had close friends and people that had been with me for absolutely years. And they all want you to have the solutions and that's that's the gig. That's you know that's the joke about that's why they pay me the big bucks. And some unfortunately at certain times that also isn't true. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> um, it's not. But but you know at that point I I had had a great life from um, from the business and just had to kind of knuckle down and and work through it. Mm. Um, but you you know I think alcohol does play a part in that because there is also a story that you tell yourself that. This is all really hard. I deserve a release. Yeah, exactly. I deserve to be able to switch my brain off and and relax. And I I have that conversation a lot with people who are like high pressure, high performers. Yeah. And they're, you know, they see this as this gift that they're giving themselves. Um, which is ironic when I look at it now because it's like the worst possible gift you could ever give yourself. No, you know? it's the worst. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I do think that it it kind of plays a part in that. Yeah, it's a gift in the moment. Unfortunately, it's just so taking thereafter, which you know, and we all know. Um, the the <clears throat> yeah, it, it, talking a, a bit about the business side of it, um, you know, there is that. First of all, do you think that these things like dyslexia and, um, you know, you talked a bit before about perhaps being undiagnosed ADHD <laughs> yeah. um, and um, having a, a very overreactive brain. You know, those things are absolutely a source of numbing and compulsive behavior. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we know they're intrinsically linked um, to compulsive behavior. And so um, far more likely to be uh, using drugs or alcohol or things like that. Um, but also... Uh, I've mentioned this on a podcast before. I went to a seminar. Um, I must get the detail of this um, because it's a bit fluffy. But uh, at this seminar, this person got up to speak and they started to reel out some symptoms. Okay, so symptom one, you know, distracted all day. Symptom two, and it was like um, uh, symptoms of a CEO (laughs) or, or a founder. And they were read through all these things. And every time they came up, they said, stand up in the room if this applies to you. Now, by the time they'd gone through all the symptoms, everyone in the room was standing up saying, yep, that's me. And then they peeled off the top bit and it said, this is actually um, the diagnosis for bipolar disorder. Yeah. Right. So, so this mental health thing, very linked to that kind of different thinking and then the creation of business. So long-winded question, but do you think, uh, do you see that as a source of your business creation, this, um, and that you had to tame it? Or, um, yeah, how do you think it impacted your... The dyslexia? Yes. Yeah, I mean, so I do think dyslexia is a superpower. And, like, whenever I'm talking to parents and they're like, oh, my child's been diagnosed dyslexic, I'm like, amazing. 
like 60, 70% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. Mm. We do think differently. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm also... 60 to 70% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. Yeah. That's cool. It, uh, and so, you know, when you... Before, before, sorry, just going in onto that. I don't think they're made to feel that way as kids. No, you made not. to feel that way? No, absolutely not. I was made to feel stupid yeah stupid yeah an outcast yeah and wrong yeah yeah and, and, and probably when you were growing up hit over the head or yes something absolutely the time, right? yeah 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 just focus more or, yeah. yeah and i i had the type of dyslexia that makes you write everything backwards so at one point the teacher so if you held my work up to a mirror you could read it wow and the teacher yeah <laughs> i can't remember what it's called it's just the teacher that you were being deliberate she thought i was being de- i uh. was like how smart did you think i was for fuck's <laughs> sake like we can barely learn how to write and i'm writing backwards um so wow. yeah it was it was a challenge actually to be fair my mum at that point who'd also been dyslexic um as mm, a child right. um really did me an absolute solid and um she uh went in and, and kicked off and they gave me the proper um help and i came out of that and i went from bottom group and everything to top group and everything because i could actually read the instructions which was wow. fantastic um mm. and i you know i read voraciously now but i am conscious of the fact that how um, how i assess risk is very different to other people, mm. um, which again is a construct of, of um, dyslexia. But then you look at the entrepreneurial mindset. Of course, like mm. normal people, yeah, through the roof, and yeah. it has to be mm. because you know otherwise you, you wouldn't get things started. Yes. So, yeah, is it you know does it help? Absolutely. Does it have to be um, very consciously managed? Yes. Mm, oh yeah, that is something you've I've, you've just struck a little lightning on in my brain. I need to go and um, research and understand deeper risk tolerance and risky behavior. They, that all that must be very. It's um, in that part of the brain. Exactly. It's in the bit so, of the brain that ADHD. So the understanding of risk, your concept of risk, your ability to deal with risk, and all of that stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, so. Um, you know, you started a business at a young age, twenty-four, but it was a, it was immediately successful. Um, I started multiple businesses by the time I was twenty-five. <laughs> None of them were successful, um, so I was a serial, serial failpreneur. Um, so, what do you think? What do you think made that your success in in the, in the early days? Um, some of it was necessity. So, okay. I don't know if you had. Um, any funding to start up a business or, or well, I not. Did. I did. I did a bit of dad. Yeah, yeah. because I, there was no safety net for me. Yeah. Um, I'd also, me and my sister both sold our houses, bought a house together. She had four kids um, and the mortgage was being paid with the um, proceeds from the business. So mm. uh, there was like... No option. There was no option. And so... People talk a lot in business about focus. And actually, um, I have a bit of a bugbear because women struggle to get funding. Um, It's a lot harder as a female entrepreneur to get funding than than men. And it's an area that I'm really fascinated in, in terms of how we communicate. Mm -hmm. Um, My general experience is, you know, men probably do exhibit more focus because women tend to be more big picture they they tend to think about more very variables at once and there's lots of biological reasons for that in terms of you know having to manage a a larger area of scope of risk and also the social interactions that women had to form from a collaboration viewpoint versus kind of male biology thousands and thousands of years ago but i think it does play out in um investment in the when you're going for an investor story, they want it really, really simple. Mm. I am going to sell bananas and I'm going to sell them through this medium and this is how I'm, I'm going to do it. And that's great. Yeah. And as Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and business is not, to my mind, anything like that. It's like life that you think, okay, I'll try this and you start on that route and then you have to pivot and change. And I had both the challenge and the luxury of not having somebody else tell me, 
you're not allowed to turn the claims business into an insurance business. You're not allowed to flip that into that because that's not what we invested in. Mm. So if something didn't work, I had to fail very quickly and find something that did because I needed the income to come in. Yeah, And that made it a bit... Um, you know, rocky in that we would, you know, for years we'd have months where we'd have massive profitability and then nothing that, because it was, <laughs> it was, so if you looked at the graph, it would have sent every possible investor oh, running. running for yeah. the hills, yeah. but it was still making a living for me and the family yeah. and we were making it, it work. I've had a very different experience with my most recent business, Stella, which I launched in Australia because I got some investment in and I understand it's a different game and it requires different um, skill sets and different uh, philosophies. But Mm. I still think that there's merit to the other one. And I actually think women are particularly well placed for that kind of business building because they are able to juggle. They are able to find solutions. They are able to pivot. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Do you have to say it with an Australian... Stella, mate. <laughs> no, because then it sounds like Stella Artois, which definitely won't go with it, because it's a, a brand for for women. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, yeah, the the no options, um, you know, your back against the wall is is, is um, definitely an important part to, to play. Um, do you think that, you know, we've sort of talked about, let's label it your shit, mm-hmm. right? All yeah. the stuff. Um, was there a, was there a time or a process you you went away and travelled and decided to get on top of the fitness element? Um, came back, still were being successful in business. Was there an evolution of you starting to get on top of your shit? Yes, absolutely. And you know, um, I had panic attacks from my twenties to thirties, and obviously the weight problem and the smoking and the drinking was not going to be helping with that. Um, you know, probably processing some of the stuff from childhood with my mom and 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 the um, overdose and then I realized that I was gay and started my first gay relationship at 30 which was also a big shift for me Mm. um, because obviously completely different lifestyle but also interestingly (laughs) I think the gay thing probably helps with the not drinking thing okay Bear with me, yep. because this is the dyslexic is brain the in other action. Way around, I was thinking. <laughs> from, from the gay um, environments I've been in and the world, it's like very synonymous with drinking. It absolutely is. But if you use it in this way, and, and you know, when you first come out, and, and certainly when I did, like, I, I actually, I haven't had a negative Um, response from people maybe one of the business guys I dealt with was a bit of an idiot but generally speaking people were great no pushback I I don't have a coming out story that's filled with trauma and I think partly because I didn't do it until I was older yeah and I was very comfortable in my own skin and Mm. I was like my life my choice you know not your problem um having said that it's not a normal choice just as not drinking is not a normal choice okay and so it takes a certain type of personality that says everybody else is doing that. Yep. I don't want to do that totally. because this makes me happier. Yep. And so in that sense, the the gay thing for me um, probably helped me make other choices that yep. weren't necessarily Forging swimming yeah. with with the tide. What Love I it. have witnessed, however, and again, I think coming into it older, you, you take a different approach. I um I only did one year single gay after I um got divorced from my I say first wife. I'm not intending on having more than two. I think everybody's allowed one hiccup. Um <laughs> but after I got divorced I had one year single um dating women which I'd never done before and mm. with dating apps which is a whole different podcast and like wow. Um, but I'm going to have to touch on it now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, at that point, I think I, how can I put it? I think I witnessed the way that, that that translates out to most young gay people in that they're trying desperately to find a community, trying desperately to be settled in mm. in some regard. And alcohol and the clubs kind of gives them mm. 
well, we, we know we can go to a gay club and be surrounded by other gay people that yep. are all drinking. And there's not much in the way of sort of social groups where somebody who's single, who's also gay, can just naturally go out and engage with people. Yeah. And look, I I I don't think the problem's necessarily solved in the hetero community. No. We, we do. You know, <laughs> a lot of dating is is associated oh. with with alcohol. Many many podcasts could be done about the challenges of sober dating. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I've, yeah. Uh, Not that I've ever done it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, for the go. record, <laughs> love you, wife. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know I, I do say when me and my wife go out, it's actually quite lovely. We we often end up chatting to like. <laughs> we end up with like a, a group of young gay men all come over and they love the fact that we're married and we've got kids and you know mm. we've got what what would be deemed to be a heteronormative yeah, life like back. a normal life but it sh- it, it shouldn't be excluded no. just because you choose to date the same sex and yep. actually i think there's this idea that all that gay people want to do is is go out and get drunk and get laid and and actually they're you know, just like anybody else. Yeah, sure, in your 20s. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And some carry on till later, just as they do in the heterosexual world, carry on with all yeah. of that partying and everything else. Exhausting. <laughs> yeah, you need a lot of energy for that shit. <laughs> yeah. um, but talking about a lot of energy... Um, no, sorry, uh, before, I, before I jump off on that. Um, so let's go back a bit to um, when you started changing your relationship with alcohol. Um, you came across one year no beer. How did, you, how did that journey begin? Yeah, so it's um, it's interesting. I'd always done like little detoxes, um, and I, I think that was just a sense check. And you know, my view, it, I, I've never been arrogant enough to assume that I could never have a completely dysfunctional relationship with alcohol regardless of the fact that that didn't happen you know I only have to look at my own stats the age I started drinking alcoholic mother stress in the job dyslexic Mm. like you know it's it's frankly a miracle that I didn't end up dysfunctional with the 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 odds against me so I always had sort of periods of time always saying you're not dysfunctional (laughs) yeah the alcohol was all right but yeah dysfunctional in every other way um but you know I'd always do dry January I'd do like health retreats juicing that sort of stuff Mm. normally for um probably a month maybe six weeks I did um a much longer period of time when I was living in LA which is interesting because it was a lot easier because the relationship that they have with alcohol over there is not the same as the UK. Um, trying to do that in the UK yeah. always seemed to trip me up. I'd get, you know, a run, run under my belt and then it, it wouldn't work. And then um, I decided originally that I was going to do, like, raise some money for charity. I think I, I roped in a mate to say, look, should we do a no drinking thing? And then I came across um, One Year No Beer. And I loved it because it was the first time it was a positive message around not drinking, Um, you know, as a lifestyle choice that was legitimate, that didn't mean that your life had fallen apart. Mm. And I work in the insurance industry and they they have a uh, practical obsession with with drinking, which is, you know, I'm not making judgments around it but actually it becomes very difficult for you to kind of step out of it because the view is either you're an alcoholic or you're a normal drinker and and that just is not true there's there's a whole range of of steps in between the you know alcohol in of itself is a drug and you know i've i've read all of the books and we don't call people smokeaholics we accept that if you use a drug you're likely to get some form of addiction to it you know mm. and you just can't have that conversation on a general basis so what i loved about one year no beer was actually here's a group of people who are healthy who you know look like they've they've got their shit together from a society viewpoint they're just saying actually you know what this thing I don't want this thing to be as big a part of my life as it currently is. Yeah. Um, and so I signed up um, and I was like, okay, am I going to do this? And, and I found it really easy to do the year. 
like really easy. There was there was a couple of um, uh, changes that I had to go through, but then it goes back to that neuroplasticity, put yourself in the situation. So I didn't not go out, which I think a lot of people do when they give up drinking. They stop doing the things that they always used to do. Yep. Um, and I didn't stop doing anything. And I got to the end of the year and I actually thought, I don't really want to start again. Like, why would I do that? Um, and then lockdown happened and um, I got kind of like everybody trapped in my house, staring at four walls, trying to make sense of what was going on in the universe. And everybody in my bubble drank hmm. and there was no kind of way out of the, the, the situation. So I decided to allow alcohol back in. But I think I was extremely conscious this time and that's the gift that one year no beer gives in that I knew that I um, could go out and not drink if I didn't want to mm. I knew what not drinking all the time felt like and you know that's the magic isn't it it's you know my sleep was incredible I just naturally dropped um, half a stone a stone without having to do anything else my fitness improved um, I was reading much more that was a surprising um, kind of side effect so I knew all of those things were waiting for me if I wanted to go back to them and I, I didn't I, I, I was quite um, very moderate with it when I started drinking again but I noticed over a period of time it just creeps up like it just it just is it's like anything else you know and it got to a point where I was going out at the weekends and um drinking too much like not fall down drunk throw up but waking up in the morning not feeling great and I just thought what the hell am I doing like what on earth am I doing doing this thing mm. that actually adds no value whatsoever and I think the 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 sort of final click of the 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 dial for me was, um, and I mentioned this to you before. I had it in my head that um, the one thing that alcohol gave me that I couldn't replace. Uh, you know, I could go out for dinner, non-alcoholic beer, fine, great. You know, socialising. As you can see, I'm not exactly shy, so that wasn't a problem. But it was this idea of having a wild adventure and being a bit naughty um, that was unexpected. Because if you switch off the rational side of your brain, there's a chance you're going to do something a little bit, you know, out of sync and, you know, not think it through. And that could be quite fun and exciting. And so the last bit for me was actually making sure that I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I I have done on numerous occasions. I mean, last week I ended up in a jazz bar, um, just random, just on one of those nights where you meet up with one person and other people arrive and, you know, and everybody knows those nights when they drink yeah. and they assume that they couldn't possibly do it when they don't. But I've made a concerted effort just to... Go to for it. Go for it. The only difference is at a certain point when everybody's getting really incoherent... I will go home yeah. and get a good night's sleep and wake up and be able to do all of the stuff that I want to do with my life. I, I love that. Um, and one of the things here is the detaching of the math that we've done over decades, right? Alcohol equals fun, which, you know, from an early age, teens and then into 20s, that's what the math is doing again and again and again and again, alcohol equals fun. Um, and then people stop drinking or remove alcohol. They don't go out with their social circle and alcohol equals boring. And they reiterate that, right? Well, yeah. you're going to go back to where it was because life's shit when you're alcohol free and it's awesome when you're drinking. So this is what we have to teach people. Like, If you want to be able to control your drinking, you must create a technicolor version of you that is alcohol free. Yeah. Right. So I can go out and have an amazing night or uh, and not drink, or I can do it and drink. And when you've got that, you've got perfect choice. Yeah. So you can absolutely. control it. Yeah. But one thing for me was I loved the craziness of like just going all in and, you know, properly binged, getting smashed up, having a laugh. Like I yeah. loved it. Yeah. At yeah, that yeah, end. yeah. Um, loved the crazy places and all the madness that could happen. Um, and so just when you said that earlier, now, I resonated so much with that because I couldn't let that go. And I wouldn't want to, mm -hmm. right? 
okay, I don't need alcohol to do that. But I had to prove that to myself. And so in the beginning, it was like, well, I'm going to go to the stag do. And basically, I'm going to make it my duty to have things, people to take, a couple of things for people to say to me. One, I can't believe you're not drinking. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. I want people to say that to me. I can't believe you're not drinking. Um, and two, to just be like, to, to, to know they're like, good God, this guy's nuts, yeah, right? Yeah. And so... That's how I had to, I had to behave like that for my own self um, to feel that, that, that craziness. Sure, it gets much less and less requirement, but um, I really resonated what, with what you said there. So now you still do a bit of clubbing. Absolutely, you still, yeah. yeah. I like, so I like, to get, I like meeting new people. Like I say, I like having adventures. I like having crazy-ass conversations with people. And I don't need alcohol to do that. Yeah. And actually, I was saying to my mate, and he was laughing at me, um, like I like being a bit cheeky and I've got a dry sense of humour. I love that my wit is not dimmed by alcohol. Yeah. Because I can, you know. It's even faster. Um, it's faster. Like, <laughs> you know, I can be the smartest person in the room because everybody else is not me. Still trying to catch up on the previous sentence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. Um, and, you know, I went out last week. I'm a, um, I've got membership at the Groucho Club, which is ace. And there's lots of really interesting people there. And I met up with a friend of mine who is... Um, an absolute wild child and gets involved in all sorts of stuff um and she she was like oh i've got a few people coming down and this guy turned up and we you know we ended up having a a really in-depth conversation about life the universe and everything and then this music journalist joined us and then somebody says let's go to a club and it was it's exactly the same as um i have always had before but what i realize now is I will not tolerate bad company and a bad evening and I won't just drown it out with booze where before I, you know, you go to an event, you're not really having a great time. The the conversation isn't there, but I'll just get drunk and then I won't have to think about it. Like now it's like if that's the way that things are heading, I can bail and I can, you know, go home. The good will still be really good. Yeah. It's just that you will be cognizant of the bad. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's a bit matrix and sometimes, you know, I do think, should you just take the blue pill and enjoy the steak? But it's not, (laughs) it isn't, it it absolutely isn't because having those experiences and being able to remember them with full clarity and, as I say, waking up in the morning and feeling good. Mm. My weekends are completely different now. Yeah. Um, and it's nice. Oh, you know, I, I've um, I've had a few friends that have also like joined me in the not drinking because yeah. they've seen you've inspired them. You've yeah, the lighthouse. They they're like God. That's really working for you. And my best male mate and and me, we go hiking every weekend, and we have such deep connected conversations so much better it's so much better like our relationship has um strengthened so much where socially you tend to have the same if you're drinking you tend to have the same conversations over and over and over again yeah and you don't mind because you've numbed your brain and (laughs) it's slightly it's slightly less annoying exactly you're doing it yourself (laughs) Um, yeah, the, 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 the key element in there is both, right? You're still going out. You're still having fun. Yeah. You're still, um, doing a part of that, which you need, you, you need that piece of you. And then, but also, you know, the weekends are more about rest now and alcohol is, you know, destroys your rest mm-hmm. and recovery. And so obviously the performance of that and things, but you, you mentioned about it getting, um, a bit heavier in, in, um, lockdown and then to where we are today, which is your decision now moving forward. So just bring me up to speed there. So that, I mean, you know, I didn't do one year, no beer again, cause I'd, I'd already taught myself the lesson and everything was, was kind of in play. Um, but I'd just been thinking about it since we came out of lockdown. Again, you know, a few more um, spells. So I got married in August this year and wanted to lose some weight. Now, one of the things I is true for me, 
I cannot lose weight and drink alcohol in any way, shape or form. Maybe some people can and maybe they just don't eat anything and the booze kind of steps in. But for me, I can't train at the level that I need to train at to lose weight. You know, female hormones, 47, things won't necessarily, you're going to have a slightly harder time of it to to shift weight and alcohol just sends me over the edge. Um, So I wanted to lose some weight for the wedding and, you know, I always just give up booze as one of the things. I did that and again felt great. And then um, during August, September, came into October and just, I, I know I'll never drink again, which is, you know, I, I totally um, respect people that dip in and out. I've dipped in and out myself for a number of years. I respect people that want to drink socially. It's, you know, it's all about choices and what works for you and what doesn't but for me I'm now at that place with alcohol that I was at with cigarettes Mm. which is I see zero benefit I don't there is no upside to it that I can possibly justify to myself and so I'm done yeah which is great. It feels great. So easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's an amazing place because, um, yeah, just it's so clarifying. You're like, um, is it alcohol? Yes. Okay, well, then, no, I'm not drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas maybe and could and everything else. Um, That's tiring, right? Yeah, like, but it's also a completely different area of the brain. Mm. Um, so the decision is thousand times more complicated for the brain, even though it doesn't very quickly, because it involves different areas, memory, processing, all of those things. Whereas yes, no is just dead is easy. binary. Dead easy. Um, so um, amazing. And um, so cleared out of that, what we mentioned before you you post occasionally on linkedin about you um, not drinking uh, or changing your relationship with alcohol and you get a lot of direct messages yeah. usually from people in the insurance industry um and this is a conversation i've been having on this podcast is that there isn't there this is that's the only space for most of society either quietly at the bar to have a conversation with you when they find you out you're not drinking or to reach out to you on social media or in a quiet conversation with you. Um, and so what what do you normally say to somebody? What's your advice to someone? What would you say to somebody who's reached out to you thinking about changing their relationship? I, and it, you know what? It's really lovely. I, um, I had one of um, your guys from One Year No Beer on my podcast a couple of years ago. And actually Andy. had... Andy, yeah. Um, I actually had... Um, somebody reached out to me that gave up completely after listening to the podcast and I had no idea like Mm. and he didn't reach out to me until a year afterwards and he just said thank you you changed my life I listened to the podcast and this is what happened which was for me was absolutely magic huge yeah um I think you know and also a little bit recognizing what happened for my mum and Mm. not wanting any other kids to go through that because it's a you know it's a terrible waste of a childhood and it's a terrible waste of a, of a, a person's life but i think when people um question me about it there's i always talk about being which is obviously a bit cheeky having come out when i was 30 but i talk about being dry curious and i think a lot more people are dry curious now than they ever used to be and i think the stigma of the dysfunctional down and out alcoholic that's been told they're on the naughty step and they can no longer drink again um is starting to be dispelled and for me it's really important to um be visible there needs to be more of us that are visible because most are um so worried about societal judgment that and i still feel a little bit of that you know i'm still clear to say Oh, it, it never got to that point because you don't want people to um, see you as weak or, you know, which obviously it's not, but yeah. it, 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 there is a, there's a, there's a fear in there around this whole subject. And for me, I just want it to be as acceptable as a life choice as any other health choice that you would make. Completely, completely. When when I used to say, oh, I'm I'm on a diet, I'm trying to lose a few pounds, people would do the requisite nice thing of, oh, you really don't need to. But they wouldn't be like, no, don't be boring, have a cake. (laughs) Come on. Come on, just one one cake, one fruit pastel won't kill you. (laughs) You know, for, for me... 
being able to kind of say to people, this feels amazing. Yeah. Like amazing. Yeah. I am accomplishing more than I have ever accomplished. I feel better in myself. You know, I've moved into the dream house from uh, my brain's perspective yeah. and I'm I'm loving the spa and the <laughs> the gym jacuzzi, and the, the, the garden, the sauna, <laughs> the hyperbaric chamber. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. easy. Yeah. Was, uh, the, what was the the, the um it's gone. Cold, the cold, cold therapy. <laughs> the cold, yeah, yeah, cryotherapy. Cryo, thank you. Thank yes, you. yeah, I love a bit of cryotherapy. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I think I, I would love more people to have this. And I think there is a whole chunk of people who, whilst not what society would deem to be alcoholics or dysfunctional, are, as you would describe, grey area drinkers that are not happy in of themselves with the relationship that they've got with alcohol and they should feel comfortable to be able to explore that mm. and have conversations with with people about what it looks like not yep. to, to choose to drink exactly we came up with a little campaign which we never launched um but uh, it was sort of like the ice bucket challenge i wonder how many people have thought about that um but uh, along this whole break the beer pressure um, and really to try and get a campaign out there to be like, look, if somebody says they're not drinking, just leave them alone. And, and this is, you know, if we all say, look, drop the, the pressure, yeah, you know, just absolutely. make it acceptable for somebody. But I think society's heading that way. It's definitely getting more um, accepted. Um, it's definitely getting more. Oh, I hear sure. from people all the time. They're like, oh, you know, actually one of the guys posted in the community today just saying you know he tells people that he's doing a, a leadership development program and part of it is not drinking and that's the end of the story i think it's about how you present the story for sure um and however, the confidence and the confidence it also depends where you live yes because it, it doesn't matter how many times i went to the bella croix on the isle of mullandervic <laughs> and told them i was doing a leadership <laughs> development program there'd still be a pint coming across yeah, going, yeah, yeah, you yeah. shut up and drink that yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. There, there is definitely different degrees of, and it's also I, I, you know, I like people and I like to make people feel comfortable. And one of the hardest things for me is I know that me not drinking makes some people very uncomfortable. Yeah. And whilst I don't want them to feel any kind of way because I'm genuinely a judgment-free zone. I also don't want to, it's about personal kind of boundaries and self-care. Mm. I'm not going to drink just so that you don't feel terrible about drinking. Yeah, like exactly. That, 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 How is that? That's not going to work. Just like I'm not going to start smoking just because, or start vaping because people vape. It's, you know, it, my choice doesn't have to be your choice. Yeah. But it, we have to stop this, this bleed into those individual choices um, being such an area of societal pressure, for sure. Completely. Do you think business can do more? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God, yes. Like, so, you know, being in business is tough. Like, the, there's a lot of challenges on you emotionally, mentally, and not being at your physical best is going to make that a lot bloody harder. Mm. I want to see representations of CEOs as being the elite athletes that they need to be. Yeah. Not... Leading by example. Not, you know, overweight, drunk, yeah, you know, going down roads that they, they shouldn't be going down. Because I know damn well... Like I used to drink only at the weekends because there's no way I could cope with the week without it. But still, Monday, Tuesday, I'd be a lot dustier than I was. Yeah. Now I've got none of that downtime. I'm like super, super productive. Yeah. And I, I want you know, I want my kids to to see that. So I'm quite, I'm aware how much the subtle messaging affected me as a child mm. because all my parents really did socially was drink and smoke. We never went out for walks. We didn't exercise. And as a kid, that looks that's what grown up being grown up looks like. Like, oh, the magic of being able to have a drink. So I, I will say to my kids, I don't drink because it's poison. It makes you feel sick. Yeah. And they're like, well, why, why would people do it? I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> I want them to see that. And I yeah. want, you know, I want kids to see positive role models in business yeah. that are making choices that give them a good life. And not a life that is filled with regret or, or you know, 
uncomfortability. Totally. And I mean, role model, role model is one, one way. Um, I think a lot of companies, you know, we, 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 we touch on this because like when you post, lots of people reach out to you. And I had Dan yesterday, he's a VC, uh, well, last week or whatever on the podcast, who's, who's a VC. And, you know, he was talking, we were talking very much about this, about the fact that the, nobody would come up to him and talk to him about how to raise or how to find out, you know, they wouldn't sideline him for that conversation that he was expecting. They'd sideline him and say, what about this not drinking? Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. And it was the one conversation that everybody wanted to have. I think business is not having the conversation in the right way. Agreed. I think I think that there there is a lot of employee assistance programs that have massive underutilization. It's like under one percent on average for employees to actually want to call up and get support. And that that the the real part is that okay, yeah, if you've got a very serious problem and fall off the edge, then we have something for you. But not really having the conversation. And I think the employees feel like they can't have the conversation. Um, you know, taught to, yeah, similarly, I've spoke to a guy and he said, no, no, I can't have anything about alcohol uh, to do with me at all. It's actually written into my contract that if I have any issue with alcohol, I'll be immediately terminated. Which, and then this whole concept of a, a, an issue. Uh, so uh, th- we come back to you're a normal drinker. So you're not allowed to question your relationship with it at yep. any point yeah. unless your entire life implodes. Yeah. And then at that point, you're screwed. Yeah. It just, it doesn't make any logical sense to me. Like, I, I know I've got people that work for me that um, are drinking too much and that it'll be affecting their performance and their home life and, you know, and everything else. Mm. And, you know, I hope that by having such public conversations about it, they will feel comfortable. Just like I'd talk about the fact that I happen to be gay or nor- Northern, you know. Like, well, that is an Yeah, that is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's really important to kind of be comfortable having the conversation so that they're comfortable having those conversations. Yeah. And then you can talk about, you know, what can we all do as a group? Because the other thing is, um, generally speaking, everybody's going to benefit from cutting down. Mm. I mean, in the insurance industry, I would say 80% probably drink more than they, they wish to. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if John's drinking 20 pints a week and Simon's drinking eight pints a week and Mary's drinking a bottle of wine, if all of them are doing something where that alcohol is being taken out and they're improving their performance and they're doing it as a group... Yeah. It doesn't feel quite so isolating and, you know, whoever I sit at the top that's doing the 20 pints, it might get the most benefit out of it. Yeah. But it's still something that everybody can connect with and everybody can get an upside from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, I think that in part and then also, um, well, obviously making people aware of one year no beer is a good thing to do yes. or, or other or other things like that um, and making sure that there's lots of alcohol-free alternatives and making it a more inclusive space whenever there's events on and all of those things that, that um, certainly can be improvement. Um, are you an advocate of the alcohol-free drinks? Do you use those? Yeah, I do. So um, I love things like um, Lucky Saint mm. and I've tried pretty much every one of the non-alcoholic beers. I did rather worryingly find the non-alcoholic beer Bailey's at Christmas and then saw how many calories were oh. in it. But it, 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 it tastes amazing. Non-alcoholic. Has it got the, the, yes. the spite, the twang? It's really? got, it tastes better. Is it actually Bailey's or is it a, a It's Irish Bailey's. cream. So, oh, really? uh, but it is. What's it called? Um, we were sh- I, I'll out. send you, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, you can get it on Amazon. They do all of them. They do mojitas, mm. um, Bailey's. I, I've, given it to drinking friends and non-drinking friends everyone fell in love with it Mm. it literally tastes even better than Bailey's wow but it's 400 calories a can (laughs) so and it it turns out it's a meal That's like that's a bottle of fuel. It is. It is. It turns out that Bailey's has got a lot of calories in it as well, which I obviously wasn't aware when I was drinking. Um, but you know, if you do it like it's a Bailey's, so you put lots of yeah, ice in the glass and like a third. It's only there. a fifty mil, not a yeah. full can yeah, exactly. of this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's the can. problem with the alcohol-free <laughs> drinks: is that you don't psychologically you don't seem to have the same monitor. I find I find 
if I have a gin alcohol free gin and tonic, it's gone like it would be lemonade versus yes. it being yeah, a gin yeah. and tonic. Yeah, for sure. Although I do find like I never used to really drink beer. I was a wine drinker. I have mm. to say the non alcoholic wine's terrible, so I've given the, up the ghost on that. I haven't you know, I've tried loads of them. They're all bad. Okay. Um the non alcoholic lager, like Lucky Sane, Erdinger, really, really good. Yeah. Um and but I didn't drink beer before. And now I just find, like, I'll have a couple. Like, you don't, because it's not got the drug in it, yeah. you're not going to no. just keep... Keep going, keep, keep going, keep going, going keep exactly. going, keep going. But I, I think they're a great tool just um, for a little bit of social cohesion. Yeah. I find people think I'm drinking because I'm holding a bottle of beer and, you know, that's fine. It yeah. saves the conversation. Exactly. It, it, it reduces down the peer pressure and all of that kind of stuff. Amazing. Um, okay, any final thoughts on, um, on on changing your relationship with alcohol for anyone out there thinking about doing it? Um, just give it a go and, and don't think of it as a punishment. Think of it as an absolute amazing gift. Mm. I think the biggest thing about this is changing the perception from something that you are giving up and therefore, you know, a deprivation into something that you are getting. Because, you know, particularly over the age of 40, you want everything that makes you feel a bit better. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I feel absolutely fantastic. And I know one of the key components is the fact that I, I don't poison myself every weekend anymore. Yeah. Awesome. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the One Year No Beer podcast, where our mission is to share and tell the stories of the everyday heroes who are taking the steps to make a meaningful impact by changing their relationship with alcohol. If you want to join our community and find out more about the variety of benefits that you can enjoy by becoming part of our 80,000 plus members within our alcohol-free movement, then click the link in the show notes below. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.